information is the most powerful thing you will ever get. Uh, I, I think that we all have greatness in us. And I think that most people don't know how to be an advocate for their life. You're listening to the Almond Gunter Experience Podcast, powered by Astorio, a show providing information to help you maximize your potential. Remember, every day is game day. All right, I'm here with the G-Man, Almond Gunther. We're going to say it right. <laughs> yeah, you got to say it right, man, Gunther. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate goal is is helping young people, helping equip those who help young people and serve them, give them the information they need. Uh, today I thought it'd be kind of fun if we just talked about what does it take to become an elite athlete. I think that at the end of the day, you've shared something with me that that kind of shocked me when I first heard it, but the idea that uh, we're all playing in a game. Yes, yes. I mean, you know, I think when people think of a student athlete or an athlete, uh, they're looking for it to be someone who plays a particular sport, whether it's football, basketball, softball, baseball, whatever. And I look at everyone's an athlete. We're playing the greatest game of all, the game of life. So if you don't have that mentality, mm. uh, it's going to be hard for you to compete. Mm. Uh, but you you know, I mean, life, life is this game that we all get to play, regardless of where we're born, where we came from, what we look like. Uh, sooner or later, you're going to get out what you put in. That's it. You know, I think when you when you look at life as an athlete, you realize uh, you, you've got to compete, right? So when you talk about competing, the real question is, uh, who are you competing against? You're competing against yourself. I mean, think about it. You know, every single day, you, you're either trying to get information that's going to make you better, or you're going to ignore information that can make you better. Uh, we, we are our own worst critics. We're our own worst enemies. So at the end of the day, the true competition comes within yourself. It's like, are you doing the things that you need to do or you say you need to do to be where you want to be? I mean, that, that's what athletics is. It's, you know, fortunately in athletics, you know, we score points and those points determine who wins or loses. Well, I think life is the same way. Yeah. Most people want to have a nice place to live. Most people want their kids to go off and do well. Most people want to, I mean, that's the way they kind of keep score. Uh, for me personally, I keep score uh, just one simple way. Do I have a good attitude? Do I have good behavior? And then I give 100% effort. Because if I do that every single day, there's no way I can lose. No matter what the scoreboard says, I never lose. Because I'm being the best me that I can be. And, and at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. That you're being the best version of yourself. So everyone gets 100% of you. Mm. Attitude behavior and effort. So let's take the first one, attitude. What is it that defines or, or the, what, what's the, uh, the motivation behind uh, a good attitude versus a bad attitude? What creates that, that mindset or, or that, that negative uh, energy? Well, I think, first of all, people that have great attitudes realize that they have value. I think that when you don't feel that you have value, when you feel that you don't really matter, it's easy to have a bad attitude. You know, my grandfather told me one time, he said, listen, attitude comes in two flavors. It's either good or bad. There's no 31 different flavors of attitude. And people who live a very positive life are generally people who, who has a positive outlook on themselves. They know who they are. Uh, they, they also know what they're never going to be, and they accept that, and they're okay with that. Uh, so they look at themselves in a very positive light. Uh, they know their value. They know, they, you know, they usually have a plan. 
Uh, they're very passionate. But here's the crazy part. Most people that I would put in, in that realm serve people. Hmm. They love people. And generally when you love people and you love yourself, you're gonna you're gonna have a you're gonna have a good attitude. So let me let me put this in a, a context of the workplace uh, or uh, a school or a, a sport, uh, a team. You know, how come sometimes you might look at a group or an individual and think they have bad attitudes? Where does that come from? How can you externally judge someone else's attitude and make that assessment? And, and you know, I may be jumping ahead here, but I mean, I hear it on a pretty regular basis. That guy's just got a bad attitude and, and we need to get them out of our our, mm-hmm. our organization. We got to get them off our team or we got to get, we got to help them do an attitude adjustment. Mm-hmm. Where does that come from? Well, see, I think a lot of times, you know, when, when you prejudge someone and say that their attitude isn't what it needs to be, a lot of times it's based on their effort. If you see someone not giving a lot of effort, then naturally you think, okay, they have a bad attitude. But the way I see it is a lot of times people don't have the right information mm-hmm. to have a great attitude or they're not inspired. Well, how can you have a good uh, judgment of somebody's effort if they don't necessarily know what they're supposed to be doing? And that's my point. So my point is, hey, how can I say that this person really don't see things the way we need them to see it if they don't have all the information. It goes back to behavior. Our behavior is based on the information we receive, right? So if I'm receiving bad information, which causes me to have a bad attitude and to not give the effort that I want to give, I mean, really? I I see it all the time with our kids. I'll hear people talking bad about kids and go, "Well, well, well, what are you doing to help the kid? So if you see a kid doing something wrong, right? Yeah. But yet you don't give them that information saying this is not the way you should do that. You should do this. But why don't we, I mean, why don't we naturally just jump to that conclusion that, you know, like if you see bad behavior Mm -hmm. or you identify behavior Mm -hmm. as bad or, Mm -hmm. or, uh, or poor, uh, then, then why do we just automatically assume that it's a, a bad attitude or, or not give people the benefit of the doubt? Because that's easy. See, mm-hmm. see, people want easy, mm-hmm. you know, and, and think about kind of the world in which we live now. Everything's about us. You know, if you're on Facebook, if you're on Twitter, if you're on Snapchat, it's talking about me, 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 me. And so people select themselves out. They, they don't want to push and help people. Like, if, look at leadership. I mean, I think back to, to when I grew up, everyone raised me. The village really did raise the child. Mm-hmm. We don't really have that today. Mm-hmm. So negative stuff sells, brother. Let's be real. Negative stuff sells. Positive stuff don't. In, in the course of our day, think about how many positive things really happen. A lot. Hmm. But if you turn on the news. No, it's all negative. They only talk oh, they're about They're going to leave with the negative. That, because that, that's what, it, it's, yeah. it's easier to pull people down. Yeah. It's a lot harder to pick people up. Yeah. But that's where we got to go. Well, it goes back to that idea of people want you to do well. But not better than them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, if you haven't figured it out yet, uh, we have uh, basically this, this you know, short form of communication where we can jump right into subject matter and we can jump right into this conversation. But just to give you a little bit of background, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a video and film producer. And uh, I met Mr. Gunter here. Uh, actually working with athletes, my daughter and uh, and and her uh, her friends play on a soccer team together, and I was referred to Coach G as we call him affectionately, and and I found him working with student athletes and actually not just working with them but but really equipping them with information 
And it was so good, the information that I heard and, and saw the, the growth and transformation among student athletes that I said, there's something unique and something absolutely special and, and really uh, attractive about the way that he is uh, serving and helping people. So we've gotten to know each other really well and have a lot of candor. And I know that, that we're jumping into some, some, uh, some heavy content here, but our goal and I'm going to hand this back over to you, Coach G. Mm-hmm. Our goal is really to to educate and provide information. But speak to a little bit about what your passion is, what you want people to have uh, as they listen to us and, and as they engage you every day. You know, for me, it, it's so simple. You know, I, I think in life that you got to kind of have a, a life statement. You know, you kind of got to know what, what you're all about. Mm-hmm. And I've had mine for a very long time. And it's to help people maximize their potential, whatever their potential is. It doesn't really matter what it, whatever they want to do in life. I just want them to maximize their potential. Leave nothing on the table. Be the best version of yourself that you can be. And a lot of people have all of these dreams. You know, my grandfather had told me one time, he said, hey, listen, you know where the richest place in the world is? And I'm thinking in my head because, you know, I'm, you know me, I'm really nerdy. So I'm thinking uh-huh. Saudi Arabia, Dubai. Yeah, I went straight to stuff Dubai. Out. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah. And, he, and he starts laughing. He goes, not even close. <laughs> and so I said, Papa, well, where's the, the richest place in the world? He said, the graveyard. Oof. He said so many people had all these dreams, all these hopes, all these things they want to do, but yet they didn't do them because they wouldn't allow themselves to do them. So for me, it's like, I just want people to live out their potential. Hmm. Be the best version of yourself. I mean, think about this. If you woke up every day and you could be the best version of yourself, do you really think the world wins? Of course it does. Yeah. Of course it does. Because you're going to be serving people. I guarantee you. I guarantee you, if you have the right attitude, the right behavior, and you're giving 100% effort, first of all, when people feel and look the way they want to feel and look, people are kinder. Yeah. They're nicer. Yeah. They're more giving. So for me, that's what I want people to get back to. How, how do we help each other be the best versions of ourselves? So we've talked about attitude, behavior, effort, maximizing our potential, which which goes back to your purpose and your goal, which I, I like how you haven't overcomplicated that. Right? No, no, not at all. Well, I, I always tell people, look, I'm just I'm an old country boy. I'm just not I'm just not smart enough to make things complicated. You know, I keep things very simple. That's what you have me around for. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I don't need to complicate this thing. I need to make it very simple. Yeah. Uh, something that people can put their, their teeth into and grab. Yeah. What I hear you saying is that just about anybody can become or, you know, if you're not you may already be an elite athlete and not know it. Exactly. I mean, again, we we all have leadership ability. We all have the ability to be superb at something. It's just finding that something and then having the discipline and the courage to do it. It's, you know, most people spend a lifetime talking themselves out of their dreams instead of talking themselves into their dreams. So when you look at elite athletes, all they've done is taken this talent and they've had the courage to take the risks, they've been disciplined and they've been focused to really go after it. You know, they fought through adversity, they persevered, they outlasted whatever it was, whatever they needed to outlast to reach the pinnacle of what their athletic ability is. And I think every person has that same opportunity. Yeah, outlasting it, that's such a unique uh, way to put it. And I think about 
what Dr. Miles Monroe says about you know when you see an athlete, do you really love them, or do you love their gift? Or if you see somebody a celebrity or somebody that is really really talented, what is it about them that you really value? You know, if I really had to put my finger on it, I think you value the discipline. I think you really value the focus. I, I think when you when you look at elite athletes, you know, whether it's uh, you know LeBron James or whether it's Dak Prescott, I think when you when you look at those types of guys in your head, you, you're kind of going, "Wow, how do they do that?" Hmm. Well, they do it by putting in all this work and this effort that that you know we wish that we had. I mean, think about just just when it's. January 1st and we've all made these new year resolutions of how we're going to get in shape something as simple as this is the year yeah. this is the year I'm going to do yeah. it right yeah. so we start off and we're really excited about it I mean you can't get a parking spot at the gym you're so excited but six weeks in about February 13th is about when it all just comes crashing down mm -hmm. because the excitement wears off the newness is gone now there has to be a level of commitment right Right. To get to where you want to be. Well, the energy, the motivation, exactly. the, the excitement takes takes a downturn. If well, you will. Yeah. well, because, you know, you know, maybe you dropped some pounds early on in those six weeks, but now you right. have what we call a plateau. Right. See, it's not fun anymore. Now right. you're in the grinding stage. And that's why I think you can look at great athletes and go, God, how do they do it? Well, they do it because they learn how to grind. They learn how to stay committed to a process. And unfortunately, I think for a lot of us, we have these great gifts, we have all this talent, but right before we're making that major breakthrough of having to step through some adversity, of having to really go through something, we quit. Mm. We stop. We give in. We become decommitted. So therefore, we never realize how close we are to being great. I think uh, what what I would identify also is that when you talk about outlast, there's an element of having patience. Oh, patience, right? And and in order to have patience, I know you're going to talk to patience for a little because uh -huh. I know you got a little bit uh -huh. to say about patience, uh -huh. right? Yes. Slow down to go fast. Yes. But but what is worth being patient for? What is worth enduring? The downturn and what is worth that I, to me that somewhat boils down to the question of you know asking yourself why are you in this in the first place I think I told you about mm -hmm. sitting down with my 12, 12 year old Kaylin and yeah you know she wants to do soccer tryouts and you know she's been playing recreational and mm -hmm. you know it's been kind of mm -hmm. easy going and fun mm -hmm. but now she wants to get serious right mm -hmm. you you mm -hmm. helped her identify that as they get from 12 to 13 to 14 to 15, there's a considerable decrease in the amount of competitive athletes that stay in the game and she's starting to kind of count the cost well you know she sat down and she wrote down 22 reasons why it was worth it mm -hmm. you know and and she really even identified seven reasons why it wasn't you know what or or, or some some cons and neg right. negative things right. she was going to have to go through right but then at the end of it she looked at me and i said well listen these are seven things they're pretty heavy things she goes yeah, but at the end of the day, they're kind of silly when you think about it. See, but I, but I, but I think, and it's so funny. That's why I love working with kids because they seem to get it a lot more than adults do. Um, at the end of the day, it's about what are you willing to give up. So, so when you you figure out what your purpose is or you have this goal, I always tell people 
you know, you better factor in what are you willing to give up because that's going to be a part of the process, which I think a lot of people don't understand. They don't quite get that. They, they, they have this, this lofty goal that they want and they really think they're going to go from A to B. And so when that adversity starts or it's not moving along as it should move along, people become, you know, discouraged. And so I always say, look, you got to slow down and go fast. Like, like if, if you look at our world that we live in now with all this technology, everything is so fast, right? It's just really quick. Um, but unfortunately, a lot of people never, never have the right foundation. So they just start building on sand. And I say, okay, so you're getting very good at doing something wrong fast. There's a difference between being still and doing nothing. And you have to allow yourself to be still. Be still. You know, you have to move with a purpose. A lot of people think that uh, if they're moving, they're doing something. And I always go, oh, not really. I mean, if you want to run a 4-4, you only take 19 to 21 steps. Hmm. I mean, so at the end of the day, you have to move with the purpose. And all of that purpose is about being patient, but understanding that there's a process that will get you ultimately to your goal. Are there any shortcuts? <laughs> There's shortcuts if you really don't want to win. See, because success always takes what it takes. You know, I here's what I say. Like if you if you want to if, if you went into IKEA and you saw this beautiful bookshelf, and this bookshelf is the one that you like, yeah, that would look really good in my office. So you tell the store clerk, you know, listen, I want this bookshelf. They bring out the box, it's all packaged got a picture of the bookshelf on the front. Now, when you get home and you open up that box, if they've put all the parts in there, if they've labeled everything right, they made sure that the tools you needed was there. And then, and if you followed those directions 100%, at the end, you're going to get that bookshelf. Now, like most guys, we don't want to read any directions, right? So we may take some shortcuts. Guilty, guilty. And then at the end, guilty. you know, you got two or three parts laying here. The bookshelf looks like it's the bookshelf, right? But we've left some stuff out. Now, over time, what do you think is going to happen to that bookshelf? Oh, yeah, yeah. You're going to have a loose screw here. It's going to drop out. It's you know, probably yeah. going to come down yeah. at some point. Well, that goes back to the foundation, right? I think the we talked a little yeah, bit the about that. The foundation has to yeah. be solid, but more importantly... I think it's important for people to understand that whatever you're trying to be successful in, it's going to take what it takes. Success is already defined. It's already defined no matter what we want to do. Hey, if we want to read, you know, two books a month, that's already defined. And, and, and what it says to read two books a month is you're going to have to make time to do that. You're not going to be able to, to leave some time out. or No, to, 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 to hit that goal. This is the amount of time that you're going to have to take each day to do it. It's already set. So anything that we want to be successful at, it's already set because it's been done before. And you're not going to be able to leave things out. It's all a process. Well, it's interesting because if you think about time, mm -hmm. right, and you talk about how uh, if, if you were to, if you were to, wonder why somebody might get frustrated in the work environment mm -hmm. or out on the field or uh you know in in the course of parenting or being a teacher mm -hmm. or you know a lot of times you, you you talk about going behind the words right so somebody mm -hmm. might complain about one thing mm -hmm. but at the end of the day we all have you said this to me a lot of times 
no pun intended, <laughs> we all get the same number of hours in the day, yes. right? So that is our most valuable resource, that time. And so when you have a, a, a sense that somebody's either frustrated or they've got a bad attitude, maybe at the end of the day, if you're a leader, an influencer in their life, mm -hmm. maybe at the end of the day, you need to maybe flip the mirror a little bit and think to yourself, you know, am, am I respecting their time by giving them that information, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and then to yourself, if you were to think about valuing yourself and you've got a goal, you've written right. down this goal, I'm going to read these two books. Are you really valuing and respecting yourself enough to say, this is what it's going to take? And anything that pulls away from that is stealing from me. Is that, is that uh, fair? Uh, that, that's totally fair. I mean, but again, I think that this is where, this is why a lot of people miss out on hitting their mark is because they allow other people to make them feel guilty or allow other people to, to, to put doubt in their mind because of the time that they're giving to something that's important to them. You know, I always say, look, Oprah doesn't get 48 hours in a day. She gets 24. Same thing with Bill Gates or Warren Buffett, right? But what they've done is they've made sure that their processes work. Hmm. They are efficient. They move with purpose. That's what successful people do is they always move with purpose. And in doing that, if you know your value and if you know what you're willing to give up and you know how important this thing is when you hit it, then you will allot the time. I always say, listen, you hit what you focus on. We can always make time for whatever we feel is important. If it's important to you, you'll make time for it. That's success. Yeah, you know, not everybody sees the world that way, though. You know, I, I think, I think that's that's a big stretch for a lot of us, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and I, th I think. You know, uh, being on the planet for 40 plus years now, I look at my life and I think, okay, well, where did I decide to not be patient, right? Or, you know, did I, did I ask somebody else or expect someone else to tell me where to go, right? We love being coached. We love being led. We be love being exactly. parented. We, you know, at the end of the day, we're asking someone else to tell us who we are and where we want to be and what we should do. See, but I think that answers your question. You said, hey, at what point did I decide, you know, not to give that time to something? Well, you didn't. You allowed someone else to. That's the thing. The thing is that I think as individuals, we have to take responsibility and, and be advocates for our own lives. You know, there's this great quote that I, that, that, uh, I ran across and, and I really love it. When you lose your voice, the world will kill you and say that you liked it. That hurts. So when, when you're not speaking up about the things that are important to you, you know, again, as my mother would say, you, you teach people how to treat you. So if you are allowing people to, to take time away from what it is you want to do because, you, you know, they're making you feel guilty or, or, or putting doubt in your head saying that it's not going to work, then that, at the end of the day, that's really on you. It's really on you because you can't give what you don't have, So which means that I've got to take care of me. Like, I got to make sure that my foundation's solid. I've got to make sure that, that I have my ducks in a row so I can then pass that information on. I can pass that knowledge on so other people can be successful. But how can I give you that information if I'm not that way myself? Where do you see the most uh, obvious examples of, of where somebody 
might not be able to see their own value and help other people realize their value. In other words, you might have a group of athletes that have all the tools, mm-hmm. but they actually, through their attitude, behavior, and efforts, inhibit other people's growth. Do you ever see that? Oh, I, I see it all the time. But I, but I think one, one of the reasons is because of leadership. As a leader, as a parent, or as a coach, or as a teacher, I mean, think about it. So many times we don't realize that kids aren't necessarily listening to what we say. They're watching what we do. So if I'm telling you that, you know, you need to do this, this, and this to make you better, but, but as a kid, I'm looking at you and you're not doing those things, that's really not going to work out for me. You know what I mean? It, 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 it's like, you know, I want to be really fit and I'm going to go to a personal trainer who's not fit. So that, that brings on those attitudes. That brings, who are you to tell me what to do when I'm looking at you and you're not doing it? So that's where you get some of those bad attitudes. That's where you get some of that effort that's not there. But I tell you what, when you have leadership that actually walks the talk, look at how the teams play. There's a reason people want to work for Google or for Amazon. I mean, when you look at some of the best corporations around the world, there's a reason that people were so gaga about Apple when Steve Jobs was around. Because he walked the talk. There's a reason that people want to get to Oprah, right? Hmm. Because, number one, she walks the talk. So when I look at, 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 especially if I'm in an organization and the morale's low and the bad attitudes are around, I already know that those people, they don't know their value. They don't know how they fit in that organization. They don't know what the end game is for them. So, you know, morale is a reflection of leadership. I mean, it's pretty much that simple. Say that again. Morale is a direct reflection of the leadership. So if people are down, if people are feeling bad, that's a reflection of leadership. Because real leaders inspire. Real leaders serve. Real leaders have people skill. Real leaders communicate. Real leaders show what the vision is. So if you have an organization to where people are not into that, they're not into what they're doing or what you're doing as an organization, we have we have mailed, we have failed miserably. It's the same way when I walk into schools. I mean, I can walk into the school and tell t- the teachers' classes that run the way they need to run is because these teachers are on it. Hmm. They love kids. They're passionate. They're prepared. When the kids walk in, the kids know exactly what the goals are for today. Like there is no mistaking it. And every kid will tell you, that's the hardest class. Oh my gracious, Miss Johnson is so hard. But that's the class they can't wait to get to. That's the class they can't wait to get to. Because they know their value. But more importantly, they know that the leadership of that class is really there for them. Well, if you think about what what does a teacher that brings that type of excitement level and energy and passion and commitment and hard work and attitude, behavior, and effort, somebody in that seat knows why they're there. Yes. They know their purpose. Yeah. And it's bigger than money. Yeah. It's bigger than everything. It's bigger than them. What they what they have they have made that connection with why they're here. And to me, I think that's the most beautiful feeling in the world is when you can wake up and know your purpose, to know why you're here, that this is why I'm here. 
you know, I think about uh, when when you look at athletes and not everything goes right all the time. <laughs> no. Right. Right. And 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 even the best athletes face uh, adversity, whether that's uh, not getting to to play mm-hmm. uh, the position they want to mm-hmm. play, get on the team they want to play, uh, external factors that are outside of their control, an injury, um, w- you know, whatever it may be. And and you know that's this goes back to that seeing the other side, but but when you're in the midst of it, and you're in the midst of uncertainty, you know what what are you what are you focused on? You know what what is it that that you rest on when you're in those situations where again you know an athlete who's a a runner and and tears a ligament or something you know at the end of the day that's that's what they got their legs mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so what are they focused on there I mean for me it, it's happened to me I you know I tore my hamstring my sophomore year in college they said I'd never run again well they were completely wrong for me I focused on the process number one I understood that being an athlete, quote unquote, is a short time gig. So I've always went into athleticism as understanding that one day I'm going to be a regular person. So for me, it's all about education. It's all about information to be able to have great conversations and put those conversations into actions to be successful. So I think when you are, when you are an athlete and you're playing at the highest levels or you're aspiring to be to the highest levels, you already know going in that injuries are going to happen. And somewhere in there, that's that price of what am I willing to give up? If I'm injured, am I going to battle back through this and be the best that I can be? To me, you know, the thing that's so great about, about running is I tell people there's no undefeated sprinters. Every sprinter's been beat before. We, we've all been beat, even Usain Bolt. I mean, it's happened. So we know what that feels like. We, we know what it feels like um, to work hard and then go out there and look like you never ran before. Because, see, the clock doesn't lie. You know, it's, it's not objective. It's just like, this is the time. This is the time. This is how fast you ran. Um, so I think that you've already factored in the things that you're going to have to give up. But the end game is when I take off my cleats, when it's over, I want to be able to say, I did my best. I've given all that I can give. And so to me, athletes, professional athletes and college athletes who focus on that, who focus on being able to say at the end of it, I gave my best, are the ones that are then able to lay down their shoes, lay down the football and move on and do other great things and totally do other great things. Because they realize that being an athlete on the field was just for a moment. But being an athlete in the game of life, that's a total different deal. And so when you, when you really stop and you think about it, uh, most people that are professional athletes that have approached it that way are able to walk away and be great broadcasters or great coaches. or They, they have this game of life. They've been preparing for it. What I hear you saying is is count the costs. Yes. Make the calculations ahead of time yes. so that when you get into that situation, yes. you've already figured it out. You've already determined in your mind when when I hit this obstacle mm-hmm. or when I face this challenge or when I'm confronted, 
or when I've got to make a play, I've already decided where I'm going with the ball. Mm-hmm. I've already decided how I'm going to adjust, how I'm going to how I'm going to plan my course. You've already made those decisions ahead of time. And 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 I think about again if we're all athletes, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's key is that everyone recognizes you may not have been, you know, growing up uh, on the ball field, but whether you like it or not, you're playing the game of life. Whether you whether you like it or not, mm-hmm. you are an athlete. You've got to figure out how to play. And life's going to show up. And it doesn't matter which side of the track you're born on. Doesn't matter what color you are. Doesn't matter who your parents are. I mean, life shows up for all of us. Yeah. I mean, and that's what I think we we have to understand that you do have to to realize that there's going to be a cost. That there's you know you've seen me with my student athletes. My goal is to physically get them to a point to where they can't be broken physically. Like, are you, are you kidding? I mean, so mentally now we're doing things that no one else can do because we don't have to worry about the physical part of our game because we are the fastest, quickest, most agile. We, we've got all the endurance. We're going to get to the ball first. We have those things down. So now my IQ becomes all about the sport because what I create are athletes. The sports, the sport. I give you an athlete that can play any sport. So that's why they have confidence and that's why they have value and they know what they're going to do before it happens because they've been in this moment so many times. So when you look at people that really win life, that are really successful in life, they're up for every moment. Bring on the adversity, they're okay. They're okay with that. Bring on the good times, they're okay with that. Because every single day, their vision, they've seen it. They've seen how this thing plays out. They've seen the end game. They know what it looks like, feels like, tastes like. They're prepared. And when you're prepared, you have a greater chance of flexibility. And a lot of times they're not distracted, right? They're focused. Because, I, you know, we were, uh, we were at a school the other day, and then we've been in you know, uh, corporate environments together before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's happened on more than one occasion where we'll, we will walk into a situation or we'll walk into a room, an environment, and you'll say right there is an athlete. You, you will be able to mm-hmm. identify ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Maybe not even talking to somebody or mm-hmm. hearing from somebody right. or even seeing them perform. Mm-hmm. Or within the first few moments, you're able to say, there's an elite athlete. And it's easy to identify, and this is why. Because they aren't distracted. Like, like people that are, that, that I feel that are elite athletes, whether you're talking about real, you know, real athletes, quote unquote, or you're talking about the game of life, when they are around any situation that they believe can give them more information to be successful, they are dialed in. As soon as you hit the room, they are looking at you, they are focused, they, they, they're ready to take notes, like you, you can identify it. Because they realize that the most important thing they will ever receive is information. And so they're always seeking that information. So that's why it's so easy for me to walk into a room and identify. You can, you can see the level of confidence, you can, but more importantly, what you see is the extreme focus. Well, it's funny because last uh, podcast we talked about asking questions, mm-hmm. right? And the importance mm-hmm. of asking questions in order yes. to get information. Yes. You have to be curious. You have to pay attention. Mm-hmm. You got to know who to ask the right questions mm-hmm. to, right? And then yes. ask the right questions. And then uh, recently, working with some athletes, mm-hmm. 
and and I'm there as a documentarian, right. uh, filming it, and I'm watching this occur. But you have a, a you know a world class sprinter, mm-hmm. a, a D one athlete, mm-hmm. and a professional you know all American mm-hmm. six six year veteran in the NFL. I mean just. And, mm-hmm. and you're standing there with, with athletes who have identified that this is what they want to do. Right. And you give them you, you give them an opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. So we're in an athletic environment where they're mm-hmm. getting information and they're being trained. Yep. And then you say, all right, does anybody have any questions? Mm-hmm. And you hear crickets. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about that moment. The reason that I think that you hear crickets is because no one wants to be wrong. And, and, and I think that's unfortunate, but that's the world that we live in today that most people will rather just kind of suffer in silence, so to speak. And But you heard my response to all of those kids. is like, you know, how do you come to this place? You have all this knowledge and information standing in for, before you, and you ask nothing? And, 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 and you want to do what they've done and achieved? And so all of a sudden, by giving them permission, right, what happened? The just questions just started flowing, and there was one question after. So that tells me, number one, not only do people want to be led, but people want to know that it's really okay that if something comes out wrong or I don't ask it the same way. And, and look, if you're not failing, you're not going to be successful. And, and, and I think about when I look at the world in which we live today, um, everybody wants to be right. You know, no one wants to, 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 to be wrong and have to figure some stuff out and Listen, that's the only way you're going to grow. <laughs> you know, I see it in corporate America all the time. I'll go and I'll, I'll do some stuff on, on teamwork, so to speak. And at the end, I'm like, hey, you know, does anyone have any questions? And a lot of people, especially adults, we, we don't like to, you know, put ourselves out there. But I know going in that less than 10% of the people in the U.S. played a varsity-level sport. So if I'm in a corporate environment... Probably 85, 90% of you have no clue what I'm talking about when it really comes to being a team. So ask questions. It's the only way we're going to win. I mean, you could do bad by yourself, but you can't win by yourself. There's no undefeated people, but there are undefeated teams. The 72 Dolphins didn't lose a game. Say that again. You can, you can do bad by yourself. But you can't win by yourself. What do you mean by that? What I mean is... If you're going to be successful, you're going to need help. But if you decide that you don't want to be successful, risk nothing, do nothing, get nothing. It's simple to do bad. I mean, you see it every day. You can just drive through in a neighborhood and see bad. Because those are people who made a conscious decision that, look, I don't want anything, so I'm not going to do anything. Yeah, but they might tell themselves, you know, look, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just taking care of me. You know, I'm not trying to get into other people's business. Mm-hmm. You know, I got I got what I need. You know, you take care of you. I mean, you know, how, but but you know, how do you respond to that? But again, the mirror doesn't lie. You you can say that all you want that you know you're just gonna take care of you. You know, like I like you know now the new hip term is you know I'm just gonna do me. Well, you just keep doing me. I mean, you're gonna end up by yourself. And what successful people realize is nobody wins alone. Like you know, I was a sprinter, so it's naturally for people to think. Oh, well, yeah, you, but but that was all you know, it wasn't. I had a coach. I had people that encouraged me. I had family. I had a whole lot of people around me. Hey, if you talk to, to Nadal or Federer, they'll tell you the same thing. Oh, no, we're out here hitting the ball, but there's a, there's a supporting cast that no one gets to see. 
Uh, successful people understand that. That you win with other people. Because number one, you have to put yourself around people who want to be successful. Yeah, you gotta you gotta pick your team, right? You gotta you, pick you, your team. Yeah. Yeah. You, you got to be around positive people. You better surround yourself with the people that you want to be standing on the other side with. Yes. Right. Yes. Right. And that are gonna and that are gonna want to get to the other side with you for all the right reasons. Well, because think of it this way: as an individual, right? If you have aspirations of being successful, you want your friends also to be successful, right? Because you know, I used to say it doesn't do me any good to get to a point to where I can fish whenever I want or golf whenever I want. But my friends can't go. <laughs> That's who make it fun. You know, I love me, but I also love hanging out with the people that I love. So that's why I think you have to pick your team and be willing to bring people along with you. Well, it's, it reminds me of the story of uh, my grandfather and how he, uh, he, he ran a successful business uh, in Jacksonville, had a business partner, and uh, being a Jewish man in the 60s, he had an opportunity to be a part of an elite uh, kind of social club. Mm -hmm. And he got that invitation. And they said, yeah, you can come, but your friend's got to stay home. And he said, no, 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 no. I didn't get here to be here for me. Exactly. I, I got here to be a part of making the world a better place. And, and helping others get there as well. And, and, and I think, you know, we miss that a lot of times. We ask the question, and it's a natural thing. And, and, and I think no matter what situation you're in, you're going to say to yourself, what's in it for me? But then you've got to go to the next level, and you've got to say, okay, who do I want to bring along with me? Well, yeah, I, I, think, I think at some point, I mean, if we're going to get the world to where we want the world, I mean, it first must start within us, and we have to understand that some of the bridges that we build aren't for us to cross. They're for other people. Uh, they're for other people to gain access uh, and be able to show their talents. I mean, no matter how talented you are, if you never get to display those talents, uh, the, the world never knows about them. And so I think, uh, you know, I, I had spoke to you earlier about this. What I really think happens a lot in people's minds is they think there's not enough. And I'm going, if, if I'm kind or if I'm giving you information to make you better, it doesn't make me less than. Matter of fact, the only way I can be greater than, the only way I can really grow is by giving it away. It, it is the only way. Like if, if I'm keeping all this love to myself, I, I'm not going to grow. I got to give it away. There's really enough for everyone. Trust me, we're not going to run out of love. You're not going to run out of kindness. Uh, by, by helping other people. So that's kind of my mission. I, you know, I, I, I think ultimately it is about helping people maximize their potential, but it's also about helping people understand, dude, you got to spread the love. Because trust me, you're not going to run out. I feel like we're just kind of scratching the surface today, and there will probably be a part two to this very conversation but do me a favor because I think um, you know we we have an opportunity to learn about what you're doing. Uh, talk to me about your mission. Talk to me about uh, ways that we can help build bridges for other people to cross. And and at the same time, how can we exercise that muscle of giving? How can we grow and 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 challenge ourselves to 
maybe think outside of the box. Talk to me about uh, Operation Love Letter. Yeah, you know, and, and probably every time we do these podcasts, you know, I, I will talk about Operation Love Letter because I really think that's where it all begins. It, it begins with you have to have a level of love and trust and respect for yourself before you can really spread and give that to other people. Uh, my challenge to everyone who's listening and who's a part of what we're doing, ask yourself, when is the last time you wrote yourself a love letter? I mean, when is the last time you just looked in the mirror at the end of the night and said, you know, I gave everything I could today to be the best version of myself that I can be? I think until we get there, it's just really hard to, to convince other people that we really love them. Because again, people are looking at what we do, not necessarily what we say. So if I'm not loving me, how can I really love you? Um, Operation Love Letter, you know, um, people have asked me often about, you know, being successful and, and what I think, you know, keeps me driven and all those things. And the answer is simple. The one thing that my parents and grandparents and, and uh, aunts and uncles have, have always given me, I felt, um, was this sense of value, this sense of, of, of you are special, um, that you are worthy, that, that you deserve. And so I've been able to kind of take that love and go, yeah, you know what? I, I am somebody, you know? And, uh, and so it's allowed me to help other people because I know who I am. Uh, and so it occurred to me, you know, like I said, a few months ago, I'm just sleeping and I wake up and I go, God, it's, it's, it's Operation Love Letter. You know, we can't love our neighbor as we love ourselves. If we don't, I mean, because if you don't really love yourself, uh, your neighbor's not going to get much. And, uh, and, I, and I think they deserve a little bit more than that. I think you're spot on. I think the world needs this. Oh, yeah. I think, I think it's just the right time. I mean, last time I checked, uh, you know, neither one of us is, is the emperor of the world, right? So we're all, we're, we're all under somebody's influence, yes. right, and leadership. And I think it's, it's what, you, what you decide to do and what you decide to emulate and, and to our listeners out there, I think, whether you're, again, a coach, a parent, a teacher, a student, uh, working in, in an office environment, corporate America, executive leadership, just having this information, we're equipping you with the ability to be the kind of leader that you would want to be led by. Mm -hmm. And I think, uh, take this information, chew on it. We're going to come back to you with more Operation Love Letter, Coach Almond Gunter, Mentor, life coach, no fluff, can't put them in a box, can't sum them up in one word, but uh, really appreciate you laying it down. Give us one last thought to take it out. Every day is game day. Every day is game day. That's it. Every day is game day. So today you heard about uh, attitude, behavior, and effort. In order to become an elite athlete, you want to keep that in mind. You want to focus on your attitude, behavior, and effort. And, and, and why not live to maximize the potential of others around you and then count the costs you know calculate everything that uh, that you're getting ready to mm -hmm. to engage in have vision but count the costs and, and calculate that out and then just build bridges for other people to cross and and uh, if you want to find out more information you can go to almondgunter.com thanks for listening today we've enjoyed it hey man we laid it down one it's more always time. good man it's always good hanging out with you buddy my make main it, man make it look easy <laughs>